All right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want, as long as you got them facts. We have a few things to get into tonight. Uh, of course, some college football. Week one is in the books. I wanted to go through uh, the rest of the games that we didn't get through. Of course, Saturday's uh, matchup, we had a Monday uh, showcase of the ACC between Clemson and Georgia Tech, so I wanted to talk about that. Speaking of which, of course, ACC football, I wanted to break down uh, the ACC conference, give you guys a preview, what to expect, your favorites, your dark horses, so on and so forth. I also want to get into some baseball, some scores, some standings uh, from the league, also want to get into a update on the Cy Young and the MVP race. And then finally, I wanted to wrap this up with a... Oh, actually, I also wanted to get into the new playoff format for the MLB as well. And then finally, I wanted to get into one War on the Street segment. Uh, just some just some stuff in it, you know, pertaining to some internet law. So, and, uh, you know, cons- it's consumer-driven for one. So, I'm going to end off everything with that. So, let's go ahead and get into it. Like I said, week one for college football is in the books a lot of action to go over so uh, let's just go ahead and get into it of course Friday we have Michigan State getting it done against Western Michigan 35 to 13 a lot of the action of course was Saturday so let's go ahead and get into that Texas A&M starts off everything with a, a shutout victory over Sam Houston 31 to 0 we got Arkansas coming through and getting it done against Cincinnati uh, final score here 31 to 24 for Cincinnati they were led by quarterback Ben Bryant 26 of 43 under center 325 yards two touchdowns from him but he would throw an interception on the ground Corey Kiner will lead the way 59 yards on the ground from him he would also score Tyler Scott will be your team's leading receiver five catches from him 77 yards and tight end uh, Nick Mardner and also Leonard Taylor would score as well on defense safety Jaquan Shepard and both line sorry Jaquan Shepard and linebacker Ivan Pace will both get sacks. For Arkansas, KJ Jefferson uh, will lead the Razorbacks 18-26, 223 yards for the air, three touchdowns. He would also have 62 yards on the ground and would also score there as well. Raheem Sanders would be the team's leading rusher. He would have 117 yards. And receiving wise, tight end Trey Knox will be the team's leading receiver. He would have seven, sorry, six catches for 75 yards. He would also score twice. Jaden Hazelwood would get himself a receiving touchdown as well. Defensively, defensive back Dwight McLaughlin will go ahead and get four tackles and interception, and linebacker Drew Sanders will come up with a sack. Moving on, we got number nine Oklahoma getting it done against UTEP, uh, 45 to 13. We have Miami; they get a win against Bethune Cookman, 70 to 13. We also have number 24 Houston uh, getting it done in overtime against UT San Diego, 37 to 35. Up next, yep, I guess we got the talk about this one yeah uh my ducks uh, were blown out by georgia final score 49 to 3 no real excuses uh you know he went up uh well lanny went up against his former team and uh, he pretty much uh, came out with the same defense he was running down there uh in athens and uh they uh, did a lot to expose him in Atlanta last weekend. So no real excuses. Uh, a sloppy game, to say none the least. I, I'm not going to sit here and, and um, beat on nobody. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat shit. Uh, it is it is what it is. I'm not going to sit here and ridicule and go all in and say, oh, we got to fire Dan and it was just this. And 
Um, you know, defensively, we could have tackled a lot better. Uh, Georgia's a lot better team. And uh, which is just proves my point, though. I mean, outside of Alabama and Georgia, I'm not riding with nobody else out of the, out of the, out of the SEC. I'm not feeling it. I like Bama. I got a lot of respect for Georgia, particularly with what they did this weekend. Uh, but outside of that, I'm going to, you know, I, I, that's how I feel. But as far as uh, what else I saw from work in the course quarterback play, left a lot to be desired. Um, I've, I've mentioned this before. I've, I've definitely wanted to keep the glass half full with Bo Nix. Um, you know, but two picks, 137 yards to the air, not going to get it done. You know, uh, it was. I thought both passes were bad. I thought he didn't have to throw either one of those passes. I thought he was forcing them. Both of them bad plays. I know the commentary that I was watching, uh, I think it was Todd Blackledge, I think Saturday for ABC. He's like, ah, the first pass was okay. You know, it, it, it is what it is. The corner just made a good play. And honestly, I, I, no, I don't buy that. Don't, don't, give, don't give Bo too much, you know, lead way. That was a terrible fucking pass. And he's been doing that for a long time, which is why I'm like, you know, I was always iffy on the, the transfer quarterback situation. It just seems like Oregon just does not get the transfer quarterback right. Um, it seems to me that our success has come with b- bringing up a freshman, red shirt or not, whatever, and bringing him up in our system and allowing him to start and play. Yeah, we'll take our lumps and our bruises like we did with Justin Herbert, like we did with Mariota. Uh, but again, you know, there's some success to be had. I mentioned before, uh, if you uh, checked out my history of Oregon uh video on youtube i, I mentioned that um one year in 2010 when they made it to the national championship for the first time for the very first time that was the first year quarterback who hadn't played d1 you know college football so you know to me that's enough you know evidence or that's enough proof for me to kind of be more willing to you know rely on who we recruited Todd Thompson was a great uh, was a great recruit. These are five and four star recruits, um, and I and I just hope that we don't get two. I mean, again, this has been two back to back regimes. Uh, last year we had Anthony Brown. Of course, people are going to try to defend him. I won't ever do it. He played very terrible when when in games that mattered, particularly both games with. Um, uh, Utah and you know and of course the debacle at Stanford in overtime he was just non-existent and I kind of feel like this is the same thing here with Bo Nix um, a few years before him maybe 2016 2015 around there we had a guy that we got uh, via the transfer reporter graduate transfer by the name of Vernon Adams up and down season from him as well so you know we didn't we did not hit those those grand peaks that we thought with an experienced quarterback and it's because, again, we know what he has to offer. We've seen four years of this. We've seen two or three years of what Bo Nix can do. I wasn't impressed when we picked them up, uh, but it is what it is. I'm going to have to ride with it. You know, this is my squad. But, again, just an ugly a ugly first game. Uh, hopefully we can get things uh, going in the right direction going in the next week. But as far as what Georgia did, Stetson Bennett, of course, everybody gives some shit. Uh, why? At this point, 
I don't know. Uh, he's made a he's made a firm respecter out of me. 25 of 31 last week, 368 yards to the air, two touchdowns. Uh, but again, a decent effort. He would throw. He would have a rush. He would score on the ground as well. Uh, Kendall Milton would be the leading rusher for the Bulldogs, 50 yards on the ground. He would also score. Uh, Lad McConkey would score on the ground as well as getting five catches and 73 yards. I believe he would score with a touchdown catch as well. Uh, Kenny McIntosh, their backup, will get a rushing touchdown as well and in nine catches and 117 yards and you know about what georgia did defensively allowing keeping us at just three points i believe we only had about 140 some of the rushing yards so really good game from georgia i have no excuses it is what it is you you play the best and you, you win some and you lose some so moving on uh we got south florida they come up short against uh number 25 byu 50 to 21. We have Ole Miss getting it done against Troy, 28 to 10. We have number 14 blowing out Lowly Rice, 66-14. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not impressed. And then we also have Kentucky uh, blowing out Miami of Ohio, 37 to 13. I'm not impressed by that either. A game that I was impressed by, though, just to be honest with you, was number seven, uh, number seven, sorry, unranked Florida getting it done by three at home against number seven Utah. Again, it kind of looks bad for the pack. 12 and again it makes the sec look good for a weekend but truly with florida's situation it was a pretty good win uh given the situation uh for the utes cameron rising would go 22 or 32 for 216 yards he would throw a touchdown but he would throw a pick he'd also supply 91 yards on the ground tavion towns would be the team's leading rusher he would have 115 yards he would also score michael bernard would score as well their best receiver brent kawif at the tight end spot without nine catches and 105 yards he would also score and defensively cole bishop at the safety spot would get 12 total tackles for florida anthony richardson would go 17 to 24 for 168 yards he would have uh 106 rushing yards as well scoring three total touchdowns montrell johnson will get 75 yards on the ground he would also score ricky persall arizona state transfer will get four catches and 67 yards and defensively uh both of their defensive backs their top defensive backs were putting in work amari bernie will get you seven total tackles and an interception and then defensive back trey dean will get you uh 12 total tackles Moving on, we got Wisconsin uh, getting a win against Illinois, 38-0. We got Baylor blowing out Albany, 69-10. And then the last uh, kind of, uh, yeah, the, the last, you know, I guess primetime matchup of Saturday, you get uh, Ohio State getting it done against Notre Dame, 21 to 10. For Notre Dame, Tyler Buckner will go 10 of 18 in the center for 177 yards. Andre Eshme uh, would have a, a rushing touchdown for the Irish. They were held at 75 yards in total on the ground and in defensively. Uh, we got defensive lineman uh, Howard Cross. Uh, he would end up with a sack. And uh, moving on from Ohio State, again, typical uh, offensive game for them. Uh, you know, of course, C.J. Stroud, he's under center. And uh, the game actually it started off relatively uh, close. Uh, it was close until about the fourth quarter with Ohio State kind of sneaking it out uh, with a win. Again, um, good game nonetheless. Uh, but again, you know, for Notre Dame, well, what can I say? <laughs> I mean, they played, they played, they played pretty hard, 
But again, they just seem to choke in these games. Uh, but for anyways, for Ohio State, C.J. Stroud will go 24-34, two touchdowns. Uh, we also got uh, Trayvon Henderson, the team's leading rusher. He would have 91 yards on the ground. Mayan Williams, their backup, would score. Um, in terms of receiving, uh, we got uh, their leading receiver here, Emika Ekbuka. He would score as well, nine catches and 90 yards. We also got uh, their backup receiver here, um, Xavier Johnson, he will go ahead and score as well. And defensively, uh, we have uh, their linebacker, Tommy Eichenberg, will get two sacks. So a good game nonetheless uh, from Ohio State. Again, low scoring up until the end. Ohio State does just enough to get it done uh, in the fourth quarter. But again, good win. Again, top five opponent. That's how you start off the year. Last year, they lost to a top five opponent. So, you know. Things are moving in the right direction for Ohio. Uh, but let's move on. We have Ohio, Utah State, excuse me, coming up short, well short against Alabama, 55-0. Uh, Nobody's surprised about that. And then, of course, we have Clemson here. They blow out Georgia Tech. Again, is anybody surprised by that? 41-10 uh, is the final score here. Uh, DJ Owangale, he gets to start again. If I'm pronouncing that wrong, I got to get it right. We'll work on it. Uh, he will go 19-32 to 32 for 210 yards. He would have a touchdown uh, through the air and a touchdown on the ground. Cade Klubnik, his, uh, a Klubnik, excuse me, his backup will go 4-6-49 yards, a touchdown. Everybody's saying that there's a chance that he might take his spot, that being DJ. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't exactly, you know, blown away by what Klubnik did. I thought Uwongale did a decent job, particularly with what he could do with his legs. Again, 200 yards isn't amazing uh, through the air. But we'll see what happens during the course of the season. Will Shipley, uh, he comes back for another year uh, with the Tigers. He had a good game. Well, a decent game. 42 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Uh, tight end Bo Collins will get you uh, three catches uh, for 54 yards. He was a team's leading receiver. And Will Taylor would score. On defense, uh, K.J. Henry will get you six total tackles and a sack from the linebacker spot. And Andrew uh, Makuba, their safety, will get five total tackles. and Or, sorry, Makuba will get you five total tackles and an interception. For Georgia Tech, not much to really say here. Jeff Sims, 23-36, 164 yards to the air. He would score a touchdown, but he would throw an interception. Uh, the Yellow Jackets were just held to 73 yards on the ground. So, again, not much to say at all here um yeah good job clemson you gotta you got an easy one uh but speaking of the acc uh let's give you guys that conference breakdown of course uh my favorite to win the conference of course despite what i just said about them clemson and their easy win here uh they were 10 and 3 last season uh they would uh start off the season with a 3 to 10 loss over georgia at least last season uh before winning back to back before being stunned by north carolina state uh in overtime they would win back to back again before losing to the eventual conference champion pit but they would go out to close the regular season when it's six straight uh blowing out the runner-up of the conference wake forest and they will get a shutout over their in-state rival south carolina because south carolina just sucks and in any ways they will get a win in the cheese it ball 20 to 13 versus ohio uh, sorry iowa state 
They only bring back uh, they only bring back six starters on defense, uh, one in the secondary as well as just one starter uh, in the linebacker spot. But they return all four defensive linemen who started, and they were all all Americans. Now last season they would just allow 16 points per game. Uh, they recently promoted their defensive assistant Wes Goodwin to the defensive coordinator spot. Of course, Brett Venables has moved on to Oklahoma, so that'll be a point of emphasis to kind of see what happens. But again, we can kind of see at least in uh, in terms of the, the the winnable games or the gimme games. Uh, they seem to hold up. We saw what happened uh, this week versus Georgia, or at least this Monday versus Georgia Tech. So they seem to be operating just fine defensively. Of course, they're not necessarily deep in the season just yet. But I think um, what could hold them back is quarterback play. Um, DJ Awangale, he has returned. Of course, he was held under 200 passing yards in his first seven games last season. And will go on to fail to reach 250 yards in any game last season. So, I think, you know, it. he doesn't give you, he doesn't give you that wow factor, you know. So, I get teams wanting to go, hmm, I get, his, I get people going, hmm, you know, critics saying, hmm, you know, what can he really do? What can he really accomplish? I think they could possibly hold him back. I wasn't necessarily blown away by what he did. Uh, 55 completion percentage last season, 9-10 touchdown to interception ratio, just over 2,200 yards. I feel like he can improve. Uh, so, again, I mean, and he didn't throw. It's not like he, you know, gave up any turnovers, uh, you know, last night. So, he he did a solid job, but I think he is going to have to improve, again, just how accurate he is and also, you know, you know his reliability on, on deep passes and, and throw more deep, you know, deep balls, too, and get more yardage. I think that's part of it, too, just being a little bit more productive. But then I think that comes with being more efficient as well. Now, uh, in terms of what else is going on with their offense, they're bringing back the top three running backs uh the main one we mentioned before will shipley he would have 747 yards last season nine touchdowns on the ground of course last night uh he would bring in a couple touchdowns as well so already kind of getting his season started from that perspective uh they do promote their quarterbacks coach brandon streeter uh to be their new uh, offensive coordinator so there you go so they have a few yeah you know they have some new changes coming into their offense well, actually i think the offense kind of remains the same same thing with their defense because again they're bringing it promoting from within so not not too much changes except for maybe the personnel and we'll just have to see what happens uh i think of course their biggest matchups this year are going to be with north carolina state they're going to be one of the tough tough uh, matchups if i'm not mistaken they do play against uh wake forest as well as miami so those teams should be some interesting matchups to see what goes down uh i, I still see clemson you know, quarterback play could hold them back, though. You know, that is a that I mean, I understand people's concerns. I, I I've said this before. I wasn't necessarily blown away with what I saw from Uangale Monday, although he didn't turn the ball over, which is important for me. Uh, you know, I I could see him holding him back, and also I'm not a hundred percent, you know, you know, sold on Klubnik either. So. Quarterback could hold them back, but I think they have a lot going on on offense. And again, that defense is just retooled. Uh, you know, it's pretty much going to be the same that they've been running with Venables. So don't look for them to take too far to step back defensively. This this team still is the favorite. All right, so some teams in the mix. I think we have the newest team out here in the mix. We have Miami. Uh, their defense looks to improve with experience. They bring back seven starters, including their lead tackler, uh, middle linebacker Corey Flagg. He would have 60 tackles last season. 
He's also have three sacks, four tackles for loss. Uh, they also bring back one of their top defensive backs from years prior, Al Blades. Uh, he's going to be coming back from injury to help out the defensive backs. Uh, they also bring back, they also bring in, excuse me, five transfers to defensive line, including Mitchell Agude from UCLA. He was a second team all Pac-12 member, so they improved there as well. On offense, they bring back uh, their starting quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, and their leading rusher, uh, Jalen Knighton, who last year who would have almost 600 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, they bring back their entire special teams unit. This includes their kicker, Andreas uh, Borregales, uh, 17 of 21 last year. His longest was a 55. And of course, this team um, did pretty decent recruiting as, as well. Uh, bringing in some four, four and five star guys trying to get control of, you know, back game back control of the state of Florida, although it looks like Florida State has kind of beat them out there. I'm going to be honest with you. They've done their thing this season. Uh, but some key games for Miami this year, September 17th, they have a game, a big matchup here at Texas A&M. This will be a good way to kind of decide uh, whether or not they're a playoff caliber team. Again, there's going to be so much riding on Texas A&M. Everybody seems to want to like Texas A&M, even though I'm not. I'm not. I, it's The money should be on Bama. Again, everybody wants to bring up these other teams from the SEC just to kind of, you know, make it seem like it's more than what it is. But it's pretty much Bama and Georgia. But anyways, uh, that should be an interesting matchup. November 5th, they face off against Florida State. And they've won four of the last five. Uh, however, the home team is 6-10 and ten, uh, the last few games here in the last few years here. Now, uh, in their last meeting... Uh, Miami did. They did have to rock. They did have to rally from a twenty to seventeen halftime deficit, but they will come up short, twenty-eight to thirty-one. Now, uh, so again, that game could go either way. Uh, Florida State does seem to be a, a bit better this year, and then of course uh, Miami does. Uh, end up playing at Clemson November the 19th. So those are three important games for them. If they should be able to get through those games, I see them possibly in a playoff team because it's just, again, just the notoriety of Texas A&M and Clemson alone. That should be able to push this team. We'll see. if Again, that is given if they go undefeated. But they are definitely in the mix to win the the ACC. Uh, Moving on, uh, we have... North Carolina State. Uh, they're bringing back 17 starters, which leads the ACC. They were first in total defense last season uh, in the conference, which is 340 yards per game allowed. They were also second in points allowed, uh, but they do bring back 10 starters on the defense, including first team all safety, uh, sorry, first team all ACC safety, Tanner. Ingle. Uh, he was their second leading tackle. They also bring back their top tackler, Drake Thomas, at the linebacker spot, who will last year have 100 tackles for six sacks. He'd also have three interceptions. On offense, they'll lead, uh, be led by Devin Leary, who started all 12 games last season, had five 300-yard-plus games, and all they were they were all games uh, versus the SEC. He finished the year with over 3,400 yards, completing over 65% of his passes. He had 35 touchdowns, five interceptions. Now, they also bring back two prominent wide receivers, including uh, senior Thayer Thomas, who last year had 51 catches for 596 yards. He'd also have eight touchdowns, which would lead the team. They also bring back four starters on their offensive line. So this team is looking pretty good to uh, looking good to go. And I have to say this is the year to do it, uh, maybe even next year, depending on who they have, because I will say this. The surprise teams include, in, in terms of recruiting this season, have been UNC, who finished second. We have Miami here, who finished third 
in the ACC. They bring in about 15 guys. Like I said, UNC, kind of a big surprise here. 24 total comm commits for them. Two five-star guys, uh, four, uh, sorry, yes, four four-star recruits. Uh, but then we have Florida State here, a very, another surprising team. Now, uh, with that being said, though, the teams that finished near the top uh, last season at the ACC, that being North Carolina State, Wake Forest, and also Pitt, they finished near the bottom of recruiting. So for North Carolina State, they finished 10th, which is four four-star recruits. Uh, they have Wake Forest here finishing at 13th at this point in the season, and you know, in terms of recruiting. And then we have Pitt, who's last, who just brought in 11 total guys, which is the, the lowest number of commits in the conference, just 11. And mind you, they won the shit last year. They won this conference last year. So uh, now is the time as ever for North Carolina State to do something. I don't know if that talent can proceed the next couple of years. Again, looking at this uh, recruiting landscape, uh, they're like I said, they're near the bottom of their conference. So that doesn't show up necessarily this year because, again, not everybody's going to play. But we're talking about year two, year three, et cetera, et cetera. So unless something happens in terms of recruiting front, this, this year, maybe next year, might be the only years for North Carolina to be relevant right now. This is their window right now. Let's kind of be real here. Uh, let's look at some dark courses. We have Wake Forest here. Uh, this year, they bring back 13 starters, including their quarterback, Sam Hartman. Last year, uh, he led the team to a school record in terms of points per game and also yards per game. The school record in for points was 41 points. So again, good things. He's actually been cleared to play. He was facing some uh, health issues. I believe there was a blood clot issue going on. He was out for about a month, but he has been cleared to play. He's been, uh, you know, he's going to be starting as soon as this weekend, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a week after that. But in terms of offense, they're also bringing back their best wide receiver, A.T. Perry. He would have 71 catches last year for over 1,200 yards. He would also have 15 touchdowns. That was a school record. Uh, they also bring in a new defensive coordinator as well, Brad Lambert. Uh, they bring in eight, sorry, six, they bring back six starters on defense, three on the defensive line alone, and add Richmond transfer Kobe Turner to the, to the mix there at the line. Uh, he was a two-time All-American at the FCS level down there at uh, Richmond. Now, moving to their schedule, pretty easy schedule to say the least. They already opened up with a win against a VMI. They do get a they do get a road game at Vanderbilt. That should be a win. Liberty, that should be a win. Uh, we, that brings in the 3-0 right before they face Clemson. Uh, that game could go kind of either way, although I, I feel like Clemson is favored. So I'm going to give Clemson a nod in that one. Florida State. Florida State's a lot better, so that's almost a 50-50 game in my opinion. So you have a, a couple games here that could go either way. Uh, but after that, we have Army and Boston College and Louisville. Those games should be wins. North Carolina State could go either way. Uh, but UNC, Syracuse, and Duke are all winnable games. This team could be uh, right along in the mix where they were last year. Um, let's move on to Florida State again. Uh, really... Um, positive start to the season they went they ended up excuse me beating um lsu on saturday to start things off of course so much was said about lsu bringing in brian kelly but to get that surprise win i think put them in a good position uh for uh for florida state last weekend they were led offensively by quarterback jordan travis he would go 20 to 32 for 260 yards he would throw two touchdown passes ontario wilson will be the team's leading receiver and another great offensive asset for them seven total catches from him last week 102 yards and two touchdowns and defensive end jared verse would get you two fat two sacks 
on the defensive end. Now, uh, they will keep LSU to 5-11 on third down and will force four sacks and two fumbles. So I feel like they, they're already kind of feeling themselves. They, again, a good start. Uh, this is much better than last year where they started off 0-4. and four. Uh, They would go on to finish uh, they were going to uh, finish the year five and three last season, just missing out on the ball. So again, you know they they had a shot last season, but I think they've been much improved. They bring back a lot of good players uh, this he, this season. Uh, they had a great recruiting class. I believe they were third or fourth in the conference. Seventeen total commits, six four star guys. Uh, they bring in the nineteenth ranked overall uh, player recruiting nation uh, uh, at safety, Sam McCall. They also bring in a uh, top athlete in Azariah Thomas. So again, recruiting very well uh, within their state, all from Florida, at least their top four-star guys. Really good recruiting class, and uh, but they do have some a couple key games here. Uh, first and foremost, they have Louisville. So uh, they started off great with the LSU win, but they do face off against Louisville next. Uh, they are 16-6 overall against this team, but they've lost the past two straight. Up next, they have Wake Forest on October the 2nd. Another key game here. Uh, they've taken two straight L's against the Demon Deacons. And this is a 50-50 series. They're 2-2 two and two over this team over the last four meetings. So, we don't know where this one could go. And then, of course, they have NC State, uh, the, you know, I guess another a, a, a team that you could say that's right behind Clemson. Uh, they have their two and four uh, in Raleigh. That's of course where NC State plays since 2010. And the last time they played against them there, they were blown out 28 to 47. So some key games here to worry about. If they can get past those, this is a much better season than the year before. I already think though that there are. I'm already giving them props though. I think they're already in a lot better position. Uh, my sleeper team that I do have here is Pitt. I know they won a championship last year, but they they lost a whole lot of different pieces here. They lost their uh, quarterback, Kenny Pickett, to the draft. They also, But they do bring in Keaton Slovis, a transfer from USC, but they lose their top receiver. Uh, they also lose their offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, although they bring back, although they do bring back their top running back, Israel Abinikenda. Now, on defense, they bring back uh, three starters uh, and two in the secondary and some backups here. MJ Devonshire and AJ Woods, they will both play over 400 snaps last season. Devonshire was essential to last week's win over West Virginia with that game-winning interception. Uh, they also bring back defensive lineman Salijah Kansi. He would have 14 starts last season. He'd have seven sacks, first team all CC, all ACC. Uh, but again, uh, they only really have two really hard games in my opinion this season. So it's a chance for them to do something else. I mean, for, for them to repeat possibly. Uh, that's going to be versus Tennessee, and then they're going on the road to face Miami. Uh, but you know. It's, you know, it's hard. It's going to be hard for them. That's that's uh, that's how I see it. You know, you're losing your top quarterback. You're losing your offensive coordinator. I don't, man, I don't know. Only three starters back on defense when you know Clemson's revamped. Florida, sorry, Florida State looks to be revamped. Miami is a lot better. North Carolina State is still kind of where they were at from last season. Same thing with Wake Forest. They're kind of where they were at last season. The only team that went down seems like was Pitt. So I think this team is a sleeper, but I think they also take a step back this season. All right, y'all, I'm going to take a quick break. and we come back, we're breaking down some MLB action, of course, some news and some scores from tonight. Also want to catch you guys up on uh, the MVP race and the Cy Young race as well. All right, y'all, I'll be right back. The summer's out of reach, empty lake, empty streets, the sun goes down alone.
All right, y'all, I am back, and of course, I got the MLB update for you guys. We are getting closer to the end of the season, so of course, let's go ahead and get into it, starting off with the scores from Tuesday night. First things first, the Dodgers get it done against the, uh, the Giants, 6-3. to uh, The Dodgers are now 93-42. and The Giants are 65-69. and For Frisco, Lewis Brinson will get his solo home run. It's third of the year. Uh, Brandon Crawford will get a two-run home run at the top of the six, but on the mound, Jarlene Garcia will take his L, one and four on the year, only about an inning of work, giving up five earned runs and three, just three strikeouts. For the Dodgers, Joey Gallo will hit his 16th, uh, 16th home run of the year, a three-run shot. Uh, we have Max Muncy getting two uh, two home runs, driving in three total RBIs. And on the mound, Tyler Anderson will get the win, going for about, uh, I believe it was eight innings, uh, just giving up three, uh, three earned runs, three strikeouts, and Craig Krimbrook. Kimbrough, excuse me, end up with the save, his 22nd of the year. Moving on, we got the Mariners uh, shutting out the White Sox three to zip. The Mariners are 77 and 59, and the White Sox are 500 at 68 and 68. Uh, for the White Sox, Johnny Cueto uh, will take the L here. He's seven to seven on the year. He put in six innings of work Tuesday, uh, gave up five hits and a run, but he would have three strikeouts. For the Mariners, Cal Raleigh would hit a two-run home run. Logan Gilbert gets the win here, 12 and four on the year six innings of work only five hits uh zero earned runs and of course he would have nine strikeouts paul swald gets his 18th of the save 18th save of the year in that one excuse me moving on we have the braves getting it done by one against the ace a little bit surprising the ace scoring so many runs uh tuesday but they get uh, they take the l here though uh Yet and still, final score 10 to 9. The Braves are 85 81, and the A's are, of course, are 50 uh, and 86. For the Braves, Matt Olson, our old. Our old buddy here, uh, three-run home run from him. Uh, we have Marcelo Zuna and Von Grissom both bringing in two RBIs each. And on the mound, Kyle Wright would get the start going for about four innings, giving up five hits, eight earned runs. Uh, he would have four Ks, but Jesse Chavez would be awarded the win, and Kenley Jensen would earn his 32nd save of the year. For the A's, Sean Murphy would get a two-run home run at the bottom of the third. Chad Pender gets himself a three-run home run, and Seth Brown also hits a solo shot his 20th of the year. Cole Irvin, as he normally does, give up a whole bunch of runs, nine earned runs, four walks, and four innings of work. And Joel Payampas uh, takes, the, takes the L here. He's uh, two and four on the year. So again, the A's try to, well, the A's get it done. Well, the A's, they start early, uh, but it looks like the Braves were to, were, were to rally. They get it done by one. Uh, but let's move on. We have the uh, Diamondbacks. They get a rare win here. Uh, this time against the Padres, five to six. We have Los Angeles. Uh, they take a win here against the Tigers, five to four. Uh, we have the Rockies here getting a win in ten innings over the Brewers, ten to seven. Uh, we have the Astros here. They take an L to the Rangers, four to three. We have the Guardians. They pick up a win here against the Royals, four to one. The Cardinals. They pick up another win here against the Nationals, four to one. And then we have the Cubs. Uh, they get a win here against the. Uh, they get a win here against the Reds, nine to three and then to cap off the night uh we have the orioles they get a win here sorry though yes the orioles get, they get a win here they trying to remain relevant in the ever slow distant or it's starting to get away from them this uh this wild card race but they get a win against the blue jays uh tuesday nine to six at the final score uh for the blue jays they are 75 and 69 the blue jays sorry the orioles are 72 and 64 for the blue jays bo boucher will get a two-run home run i believe that's his 22nd of the 
year. Matt Chapman will bring in two RBIs. And on the mound, Mitch White, uh, he takes another another L this year, uh, one and six. Uh, he put in two in it. Uh, he was up for about two innings on the mound, gave up three hits, five on runs, and just two strikeouts. For the Orioles, uh, offense galore, Ryan Mountcastle will get you three RBIs. Adley Rauchman and also Anthony Santander will get you two RBIs each. And on the brown on the mound, excuse me, Kyle Bradish will get the start. Going for three innings, giving up six hits and three earned runs. Uh, he would have three strikeouts, but it was a bullpen situation for the Orioles with Dylan Tate getting the win. And Felix, uh, Felix Batista will end up getting his 12th save of the season. We got the Marlins taking an L here to the Phillies 3-2. We got the Rays. They pull off a win against the Red Sox 8 Four and then to cap off the night, we have the Pirates. They get it done against the Mets, or they take an L here against the Mets. A surprising L. Sorry, uh, the Pirates they do get the win here against the Mets. Sorry, other way around. The Pirates they get the upset win against the Mets, eight to two. Uh, the Mets are 85 and 51, and the Pirates are 50 and 84. For the Mets, Brandon Nemo would have a two run home run, but outside of that, New York would, go, would just go zero to six with runners in scoring position, leaving six runners on base. Taiwan Walker would take the L in this one, 10 and four on the year. Uh, five innings from him, he gave up six hits, four earned runs, including a home run on top of that. For the Pirates, Rodolfo Castro and O'Neill Cruz would both hit two run home runs. And on the mound, Mitch uh, Keller gets the win here, five and ten on the year, uh, but six innings of work last night, five hits, zero earned runs, but he would also have two strikeouts. Let's move on to the standings, starting off in the American League. In the American League East, we have the Yankees on top, 81 and 54, four and six in our last ten, back to back wins for them. We had the Rays behind them, four and a half games back, seven and three in the last ten. They're riding a back to back winning streak as well, uh, but they are struggling against teams above 500, just 36 and 38. For the Blue Jays, they are 75 and 60. Sorry, 75, uh, 75 and 60. Let me take that back. I know I mentioned they were 75 and 69 before, but that was a mistake there. 75 and 60. I'll take that back. Six games back in the divisional race. Six, uh, 73 in the last 10. They are also struggling against teams above 536 and uh, 36 and 44. Behind them, we have the Orioles at 72 and 64. And of course, at the bottom, 15 games back from the leader, uh, the Red Sox here at 67 and 70. Uh, behind, oh, let's go to the, the Central. Excuse me. We have the Guardians. They are leading the division right now, four and six in the last ten back-to-back -back W's for them. The Twins, four and a half games back, seven and three in the last ten back-to-back -back W's as well. But they are 28 and 36 away from home. They are struggling against above 500 teams as well at 31 and 41. We have the Chicago White Sox here, three games back at 68 and 68, and round out the bottom of the Central, we have the Royals at 55 and 82, and the Tigers at 51 and 85. Out here, out west, we have the. Astros, of course, leading away 87 and 49, 6 and 4 in the last 10 behind them. 10 games back is the Mariners, 77 and 59, 8 and 2 in the last 10, though. We have Los Angeles, 67 and 70, sorry, 60 and 76. The Rangers are 59 and 76. And then the A's at the bottom here, 50 and 86. Let's move to the National League in the East. 
we have a two-way tie for the first place spot between the Braves, who have, who actually have had the first, uh, this is their first crack, at least their first part or even a share of being in first place. Just being a share of first place for the first time all season. 85 and 85, like I said, they are tied with the Mets. Uh, they are, are in different trajectories, though. The Braves are pretty hot as of late. 73 in the last 10, six straight Ws. The Mets are five and five in the last 10, three straight losses. Uh, for one thing I will say is the Mets definitely have a uh, better, a definite, uh, well, their record is definitely better against 500. Uh, the Braves seem to kind of struggle there, but they both have a great home record. They go both win on the road. Uh, so let's move on. Uh, we have the Phillies here at 74 and 61, 10 and, a half, 10 and a half games back from those guys, 4 and 6 in the last 10. Rounding out the bottom in the NL East, we have the Mar sorry, the Marners, Marlins here, 55 and uh, 79, and then we have the Nationals at 48 and 78. In the Central, we have the Cardinals here at 80 and 56, 8 and 2 in the last 10 behind them they have the brewers of course uh, 76 71 and 64 eight and a half games back so the cardinals as they normally do uh they start off kind of mid but then they get it going around late july and they ride this steam all the way into the end of the season they usually end up winning their division we have the cubs here at 57 and 78 the reds here at 53 and 80 and of course at the bottom we have the pirates 50 and 84 and then in the west we have the dodgers here at 93 and 42 i love it because we had the Giants talking about the Giants fans talking about oh have you have you heard about the Astros uh, they could win the, the first seed in the AL but what about the Dodgers with the, the best record in all the MLB <laughs> that's how you know some, some Giants fans be hating I love it when the Dodgers do good you hear all type of shit from Giants fans it's, it's hilarious the Padres are 75 and 62 19 games back 6 and 4 in the last 10 it's not even close in this division and then we have the Giants here 65 and 69 27 games back of course they, they talking to you they want to talk to you about the Astros right now though but uh yeah okay 27 games back <laughs> the Diamondbacks are 65 and 70 and then of course sorry 65 and 78 and then we have the no, 65 and 70. I'll take that back. And then we have the Rockies here at 58 and 79. Let's take a look at the wild card because it is kind of uh it is a different format right now that we're dealing with and we'll get to that in just a second but we look at the wild card race we have the rays they're still on top 76 and 58 46 and 24 at home they do face off against the red sox at home so that should be easy for them easy work we have the mariners here 77 and 59 38 and 34 against teams above 500 they're currently hosting the white sox and then of course we have the blue jays here 75 and 60 they're on the road versus baltimore uh, the only other team right now that I would say that's kind of in the mix will be Baltimore. Three games back, they're currently in the series right now versus the Blue Jays. So if there's any chance for them to kind of stay relatively within the race, it's going to be this series right here. This is Baltimore's last shot to kind of even remain in the mix. Uh, we have the uh, National League here with the Braves and the and the uh, the Mets. Excuse me, they are tied right now. They're tied for the East. They're also tied at the current at the current moment for the wild card spot 85 and 81 for the both of them but behind that we have the Phillies here at 74 and 61 and the Padres uh, here at 75 and 62 but we know about them they're a joke against teams above 500 so even if they were to, to find themselves in the playoffs I don't see them going deep just because they're not beating anybody uh, good that's, that's just what it is. Uh, but speaking of this new playoff format, because it's going to be a little bit interesting, uh, they're going to be begin, they're going to begin October the seventh. It's going to uh 
include a three-game wild card series for the AL and, of course, the National League, uh, expanding from 10 to 12 teams. Uh, the best, sorry, and this is the thing here. This is where everything gets kind of funky. The divisional winners with the best record. So right now, I believe that will be the Yankees and the, uh, the Yankees and the, the Astros for the American League, and for the National League. Well, it's going to be the Dodgers and uh, I believe whoever wins out of the East. Uh, they'll be getting a first round bye. And so the other divisional leaders, uh, that being in the AL, uh, that'll be, oh, uh, shoot, uh, the Guardians at this point. And also the um, the Guardians. Should be yeah. The Guardians will have to play for a uh, to play in the wild card division. They basically another wild card team. Uh, so they'll be going up against the other top two teams in the wild card race, uh, if I'm not mistaken, or the other three teams in the wild card race right now. Uh, and also same thing with the other divisional winners from the American so from the National League. So whoever so basically what I'm saying is whoever has the best record in as a divisional winner at the end of the year, they get a first round bye. The other the other guys gotta basically be a wild card team. It's a little bit weird. Three game series, I know. Uh but the ALDS and the uh, NLDS will both be five games and of course the league championship series uh will be seven games. They live to wrap all this up in November. God willing the weather will be all right. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> they're hoping. I'm. I bet you they're hoping a California team makes it. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> so let's move on. I want to get you guys updated on the MVP race and the Cy Young Award race. So, uh, uh, out in the AL course, it's the story of Otani versus Judge. Very simple here for Otani. He was last year's MVP. He's currently uh, rocking 29 home runs this year, which is close to the top 10 uh, in terms of his pitching because he does both. He has a 2.67 ERA, 176 strikeouts over 128 innings and 22 starts. He has a highest strikeout rate amongst MLB pitchers. There you go. Uh, for Judge, he currently leads the MLB in OPS with a 1.05, home runs with 54, and runs scored with 109. He also leads in slugging percentage at 682. And uh, both of them, uh, well, when they played each other uh, this week, they both of them ended up getting a home run. As far as where these teams are standing right now, or look at in terms of record, we've talked about the uh, the Yankees 81 and 54 currently leading the AL East, and of course we have both. And he has 59 and 76 third in the AL West. Uh, my current thoughts on the race is I like Otani's versatility because, of course, he can pitch as well. Uh, but I will say Aaron's offense has led to more success, uh, albeit not as uh, consistent as you'd like it to be. Of course, the Yankees are four and six in the last 10, but he's led his offense has led the Yankees to pretty much first place in the AL East, uh, a playoff, a, a first, well, at least a playoff by. If he's able, at least a first round by, if he's able to get his shit, if they're able to get their shit, keep their shit together. And the Yankees have the best record at home and, and against teams above 500 in the MLB. So again, they can beat teams. They win. They, you know, for the most part, again, they're not as consistent as you'd like for them to be right now. But again, they've done enough to kind of solidify their spot right now. They're in a, pl they're in a place right now where they could eventually not only make the playoffs, but get a, a, a buy. So again, I think with, you know, we're talking about more valuable. Otani's versatility hasn't necessarily led them to anything, that being Los Angeles, to anything worthwhile this season. Aaron Judge, although he's not a pitcher, he's in the mix for the playoffs. 
That's how I'm going to look at it. For the National League, we have Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, he, this is kind of not, this race isn't as close. Uh, we have Paul Goldschmidt going up against Freddie Freeman, of course, with the Dodgers. Paul Goldschmidt is, uh, has the second best OPS in the MLB right now. Zero, sorry, 1.028 with 31 home runs. He's also a third in RBIs with 107. He's also first in batting average with a 329 and first in on base percentage with a 416. For Freddie Freeman, like I said, it's not that close, in my opinion. 17 home runs from Freeman, 18, sorry, 84 RBIs. Uh, he also leads the league in hits with 171. He has the second best average as well with a 323. So let's move on to the Cy Young Award. In the American League, we have Justin Verlander, the leader of that right now. The, the interesting thing, though, is him and the next as and the next candidate, excuse me, Shane McClanahan of the Rays are both on the injury uh, the injury list right now. But if we look at Justin Verlander's numbers, still solid nonetheless, sixteen and three overall record, one point eight four ERA, which is the best in the major leagues right now. He's also tied for the best WHIP, zero point eight six, and he has uh, one hundred and fifty four strikeouts. But like I mentioned, he's currently on the IR for the next fifteen days, which might as well be. For the rest of the season, uh, but we have Shane McClanahan here, like I mentioned, from the Rays, uh, 2.20 ERA, second, uh, second lowest, sorry, third lowest in the uh, sorry, the second, sorry, third lowest in the MLB. But he is giving up the lowest batting average, uh, 185 to his opponents, so that's pretty damn good. Uh, he has 182 strikeouts, but he's actually dealing with an injury as we speak right now, as well, a shoulder injury. And behind him, we have Dylan Cease, somebody, Dylan Cease for the White Sox, somebody who can actually wiggle their way in here possibly because of these guys being injured uh but he has a 2.13 era right now which is second uh 1.08 whip and he's tied for the lowest of batting average right now given up and he also leaves league with 197 strikeouts so again with verlander not in action right now mcclanahan not in action right now there may be a a chance for a cease to uh, make his case. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, for the National League, we had Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers here. 2.10 ERA, 0 0.86 whip, 16-1 record right now. He's also on the IL, the IL list. And behind him, we have Sandy Alcantara. I don't think he does enough to kind of weasel his way in like Dylan Cease can in the American League. A little bit a little bit farther behind, uh, but he's 12-7 and overall in terms of his record this year. 2.29 ERA and 170 strike, 170 strike Strikeouts, but he's doing this with the Marlins, so give him give him some props, okay? So that is my MLB update. And before I let you guys go, like I said, I have some word a word on the street segment. Not too long, not too much to get into, but like I said, dealing with the consumer on the inter internet level. So uh in, in your privacy laws. Now back in May, a little while back, uh they set up a bill that would uh, pretty much uh, force uh, telecommunications, telecommunications companies to pretty much have you opt in uh, before they decided to, uh, you know, sell your personal information, which what I mean by that is, of course, you're giving them the authority to do so. You give them that option or will they give you that option? They have to. And this is this just started off in Maine. Uh, but of course, these are in different states. I know they have it in California as well. Certain websites are actually, do you want to opt into this, this option? Or do you want us to not sell your cookies, shit like that, basically your information? And this is the thing right now, you know, and uh, the funny thing is, this is why corporations are who they are. They took this, of course, and I guess they have a right to do this. You know, they get to, you know, challenge these things. But they challenged this uh, this decision by Maine. 
uh, recently, uh, actually about a couple of years back. But recently they dropped the case. But again, uh, their issue with you know the, the law that lay, the main that main came up with was that it somehow fucks with their First Amendment rights. That's why you got to look at these corporations like really. Really? You can't sell my information to another third party. So that's a violation of your third or your first amendment? How is that the case? How is not being able to sell my information, my valuable information to somebody else a violation of your shit for you to make money? See, I don't like corporations for one of those. And that's one of the main reasons right there. They were trying to sell our information and they do this in some places without consent. And that's somehow a violation of your, of their First Amendment rights to not be able to do that? Fuck y'all. Uh, this is a quote coming from Maine's Attorney General Aaron Fry, and I'm all with it. Maine's legislature uh, wisely sought to protect Maine's residents by restricting the disclosure of their most private information. Bam! That's what you're supposed to do. That's what government is supposed to do for you. Not get you all up, riled up about who's getting this right and give certain privileges to this group and that group. This law right here affects all people. These corporations don't need to be all up in your business selling your shit to others. Again, if you are okay with that, that's fine. That's your choice. But it's funny how, you know, the Trump era, they came in here and they wanted to make so many of these different changes, right? And in particular, I remember when they came in and they did some shit with the internet where you couldn't, you know, they uh, they restricted certain assets to shit. Remember when they shut down all these different websites, you know, and, and different categories for, you know, like Craigslist. They went in and they did that on the back page shit. It's funny how the Republicans do all that, but we're okay with you getting your information sold to different private companies and having whatever happened to it. Wow, you know it's a bullshit, and I just wanted to point that out. Uh, like I said, the bill is uh, the bill itself was originally passed about a few years ago, 2019 to be exact. It was passed by the Secretary of the State, the current Secretary of State, uh, Shenna Bellos, who was uh, a actually a, a, a state senator uh, for Maine at the time, of course, being a Democrat. And I don't want to make this red versus blue. But it just kind of it just kind of shows you that the Republicans are always going to be in line with the corporations. Of course, they didn't have a law referring to this. If you go to some of these red states, you will not see a law referring to this. It's just, again, not a way to just make another argument about that. Just kind of just throwing it out there. Just show, just telling you what it is. It ain't worth all that. But just just an example. Uh, but again, they seem to be really buddy buddy with them corporations. And we can see with how, the type of laws that they end up passing. I, 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 I didn't I don't see any type of laws like this being passed in red states i will say that right there so good luck on maine uh good luck on all the different states that have laws referring to this california included these corporations do not need access to your information to be able to sell that shit if i want to sell it i should be able to if anybody should be able to sell my information it should be me not your motherfucking ass that's just me I want the money. I want the profit. All y'all doing is sharing the ideas between each other. Y'all pay them or whatever. They pay y'all. And you just give me these bullshit ads all day. I don't want all that. Leave me the fuck alone. Shit. Now, good job, man. And that's how I'm going <laughs> to uh, wrap up to, uh, wrap up tonight's segment. If you like what you heard, please be sure to like and subscribe. I got the YouTube channel as well. Uh, check out my newest video. I just uploaded a Pac-12 preview. I know I... Uh, I promise you guys to have my 
my SEC preview out a little bit sooner. Give me some time. I'm working on that. Uh, that should be out pretty soon. So take a look out for that. I uh, mentioned before we are near the end of the baseball season, so I have some baseball movies to go over for you guys for upon for the review. We are in the midst of the football season, taking off college and NFL. So I have some NFL movies I want to get into, some college football movies I want to get into. So please be sure to like and subscribe and follow me on uh, on Instagram so you can figure out what I got going on next. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll holler at you guys later.